LFG people, hello and welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm Mauricio Magaldi, Global Strategy Director for Crypto at 11FS, and this is episode 188. I'm joined by my amazing co-host Kai Sheffield, head of Crypto Visa. How are you doing today, Kai? I am great. We've got a lot to talk about today as usual. Let's dive in. Super overlap in technologies today. Um, so today's show is going to be a little bit different uh, than the usual. We usually cover news once a month, followed by an insights episode. However, we'd like to switch up a little bit. News moves so quickly in this space, which makes a bit difficult to keep up with. We still want to bring you the biggest stories and our expert panel's takes on them. But as times are changing, Blockchain Insider is changing along with them. For our new and revised structure, we'll be bringing you a bit of a mashup between news and insights, the best of both worlds. And we'll start by telling you a bit about the biggest stories of the month, and then we'll dive into the what and the hows of them with our amazing panel. You'll also notice a bit of a trend with today's stories. AI has been stealing headlines left and right, and for a good reason. The recent developments in this sector have been huge, and we want to unpack them together with you and our incredible guests. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Angie Maltesi, CSO of Shipyard Software. How are you doing today? It's super good to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. So great to be here. Um, so my name is Angie. I currently lead strategy and operations at a company called Shipyard Software. Shipyard builds custom decentralized exchanges to cater to different traders. So you can think of Shipyard's business model very similar to ICE Exchange, where essentially you have like a collective group of products with uh, considering different design trade-offs. A bit about me, I actually have a background in neuroscience. I spent quite a bit of time working as a management consultant specifically focused on emerging tech and working with C-suite executives of Fortune 500 companies to solve a number of problems, typically really abstract or complex problems, such as organizing systems for scale or creating things such as responsible governance. So really excited to talk about AI today. That's great. So we also welcome Danny Nelson, Coindesk's Managing Editor for Data and Tokens. Thanks for joining us today, Danny. How are you doing? Can we hear a little bit about you too as well, please? Absolutely. Uh, happy to be here at Coindesk. I've been there for about uh, four years now, almost. And right now I'm leading our efforts to report really deeply about DeFi and DeFi governance. So that means understanding the decision-making that goes into how decentralized exchanges and other decentralized uh, on-chain entities are being governed, uh, and understanding the powers and the thought processes behind the communities driving them. So we look at governance forums, we lurk in Discord servers, and we try to understand where the money is flowing in crypto and why. Awesome. Unearthing those pieces of jewelry from the intelligence on DeFi. Love it. So before we dive in, just as a reminder to our listeners, the views or opinions of our panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of the companies that they are representing. And as always... Nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial, or legal advice. So go do your own research. So let's get started. We're going to start off by taking a look at some of the biggest stories from the past months to form a solid foundation for this conversation. First up, we have Airstack uh, raising over $7 million for AI-backed Web3 developer platform. The startup allows developers to access and utilize cross-chain data using natural language requests backed by AI, and since its debut in April, Aristak has successfully attracted over 
200 developers who have used the platform for projects spanning marketing engines, decentralized finance, portfolio optimizers, customer resource management tools, advertising platforms, and decentralized social and messaging applications. With AirStack, developers can query, combine, and integrate on-chain or off-chain, cross-chain, and cross-application data using a single query and response. While AirStack currently provides its service free of charge, the company plans to implement a pricing model in the future. And our second story comes from Cointelegraph, where Crypto.com launches ChatGPT-based AI user assistant, Amy. And so Crypto.com's the latest crypto industry adoptee of AI. Uh, they announced Amy on May 2nd. And so this is their new AI companion. It's built to inform users about the industry, including real-time token prices, projects, historical events, and more. Uh, so according to the announcement, Amy, which is built on top of ChatGPT, is currently in the pilot phase to gather learnings before future expansion. Um, their vice president of, of product, Crypto.com, says the company is bullish on the usage of AI in crypto. And last but not least, we have OpenAI's uh, Sam Altman years $100 million in funding for WorldCoin, uh, its crypto uh, project. Sam is close to securing about $100 million in funding for this plan to use iris scanning technology to create a secure global cryptocurrency called WorldCoin. And according to three people with knowledge of the deal, WorldCoin is in advanced talks to raise fresh cash as it prepares to launch in the next few weeks. The group includes existing and new investors, said one of the people uh, briefed in the matter. Previous investors in the company include Cosla uh, Ventures and Anderson Horowitz uh, Crypto Fund, as well as FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried and internet entrepreneur Reid Hoffman. Uh, WorldCoin was founded by Altman and Alex Blania in 2019. The company has kept a low profile relative to OpenAI, the ChatGPT creator, which struck a multi-billion dollar deal with Microsoft earlier this year. So now it's time to dive in. So to start off, which story of this, and if you have any other story, piqued your interest most and why, and what will be your main takeaways of those stories? I'm going to start with you, Angie. Yeah, so I think for me, the open AI one was interesting. Sort of two things that come to mind for me. Number one, really easy to raise capital when you're Sam. Uh, that's crazy in this market. <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, my goodness, that's a ton of money to raise for a project that's just sort of been sitting in the background. The other thing that I think is really exciting from the AI perspective in terms of just like how technology has evolved so zero knowledge proofs, that's something that's really exciting to me and the capability of like what artificial intelligence plus zero knowledge proof kind of technology, um, that is, I think is gonna be really interesting. So less excited about the actual company, but more so the applications of how they're doing both. Curious to hear, Dan, what you think. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, right? Just $115 million for WorldCoin. This is a project that uh, in the Coindesk newsroom, we've we've chuckled about for about a year or more now, just because the whole idea of having these orbs to scan your irises in order to, I guess, ensure that you are who you say you are, it feels a little Orwellian, feels a little evil, um, you know, but there's a lot of money uh, being pumped into this thing and there's there's no doubt about it. The inflow of capital right now, you can't disconnect that with the, from the people behind WorldCoin, Sam Altman, he's the golden boy of AI. And so any project associated with him is going to get a fresh look and in this case, fresh funding. 
Yeah, the the WorldCoin story I think is is one of the most interesting and seemingly like controversial or polarizing uh, projects in in the space. I don't know if anyone saw the the investment memo from Spencer Bogart uh, at Blockchain Capital, but he kind of started with the same. You know, when he first heard about it, he thought it was this or- Orwellian thing, and then you know, spending more time on it, it it got more interesting. And so, um, I'm curious, you know, folks' perspective on like. I remember the first time I heard about this, it was really just in the context of universal basic income, uh, where it was like, it was almost like an experiment to say, you know, it happened to be Sam Altman obviously knew kind of what was coming with AI. How do you give away, you know, tokens as like a UBI experiment, you know, across the world? And then it seemed like it has evolved into so much more with digital identity and proof of personhood and you know, kind of the different components that they built for it. Um, and so kind of where do you see it going? And maybe Mauricio, for, for you to, to start, of is it more a digital identity play? Is it a UBI play? Is it a wallet play? Like it's it's kind of multiple things merged in one. And so what stands out to, to you the most on it, Mauricio? I, I really like the whole concept of UBI. Interestingly enough, it was the first podcast I've ever recorded in my life, like four years ago, was about blockchain and UBI. And it wasn't about WorldCoin. It was about how mechanisms of incentive could come into play in that space. Um, I think that my first reaction uh, to the news of iris scanning so you can get um, free money was kind of weird, um, but I think it's much more complex than that as we're seeing the recent developments. Uh, I think UBI will have to rely on digital identity or provable identity because otherwise it's just a free-for-all and and there isn't enough money that isn't um, inflationary to, to deal with the whole world. So I think uh, there will be a combination of things that can be certainly propelled by intelligent assistant uh, looking on um, every piece of the data that's sitting on the blockchain to actually make more uh, informed decisions as to where to attribute uh, better funding or where to attribute access uh, to particular identity. What I really don't like is uh, PII uh, on a public blockchain of sorts. I'm a former twice chief data officer uh, who was in charge of implementing uh, GDPR equivalent le- uh, legislation in, in, in other markets. Uh, I'm not a big fan of PII being dealt with on public blockchains. I think this is a very high risk use of the infrastructure. No architectural reference that I've seen um, in my years in, in blockchain um, have um, even slightly suggested the ability of using blockchains to hold PII. So that interface between personal identifiable information in a public database that can be traced in terms of evolution is, it seems like a very toxic combination for individuals, more importantly for those in position of fragility that would rely on a UBI to begin with. So I think technology is wonderful, um, but we need to be very conscious about the uses that are going to come. And then I think, again, the combination of traceable data um, with AI is a very powerful thing. We can go over that later, but just to keep us on the world coin, I think these are concerns that need to be uh, brought to surface. Yeah, I was going to say, Angie, you, you mentioned you were interested that you know it uses zero knowledge proofs, and so I haven't you know looked at, at the detailed you know, implementation, um, but curious, kind of how you think about 
you know, you have PII being collected in people's biometrics and and their you know, iris scans. Um, like, what what does it mean to use a zero knowledge proof to preserve the privacy of it? And then, have you looked at like, you know, are they holding on to that? Is it being deleted? Like, you know, how, how do you feel about you know the the that method of collecting the data, but then using these cryptographic primitives, you know, around you know making the data you know attestable. Yeah. So firstly, like I agree, I think biometric data is just like a terrible idea <laughs> to have on the blockchain um, just for like privacy reasons. And even if you can, I just feel like that's such a sensitive area to start experimenting with people's lives. Um, but specifically to your question about zero knowledge proof. So what I find kind of interesting about what they might be doing is that typically when you have like a machine learning model or a deep learning model or any type of model that you're essentially training off of a ton of data, you like you spend a lot of time, you need a lot of computing power, but also becomes challenging to sort of share the, the knowledge or that particular model with other models. Um, and that could be for a number of reasons. For instance, organizations have sort of data requirements, even at the like global level, and I mean sort of at the federal level. So in Canada, we have like federal governments about how much data can leave the country. And so, for instance, using like a zero knowledge proof to say this model has verified that this type of like information is true enough and sharing it with another model in another jurisdiction is a compelling use case for me. Um, and so I think that there could be many different ways in which we can start to see like what we can do in a shorter time period, because now the infrastructure, sort of like the chip and all of that stuff required to be able to run these models and train them. And even to solve like a complicated zero knowledge proof is sort of here. Um, so we're now able to do that kind of stuff. And then Dan, how do you think about the the problem that WorldCoin is is trying to solve? Because I think whether or not you agree with with the specific solution, this idea of proof of personhood, like what does that mean, and 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 why is that potentially a big deal going forward in this age of of generative AI? Well, uh, just with the, with the first, first off, with the idea of proof of personhood, uh, uh, proving that you are a unique individual that has verified within the system, that can be uh, you know the data privacy uh, questions, which are very important. But putting those aside for a second, that's a very powerful tool because as soon as you solve the problem of are you actually a unique individual who is verified, you can solve. A lot of other problems that you see in crypto governance, which is how do we manage governance systems? How do we make sure that people are actually voting and they are themselves and they're not just one person with 17 different wallets or they're not just one person with a lot of tokens and therefore having more power? So in these distributed systems, having a way to prove that you are one of the verified people, even if you're not proving which one you are, which is sort of how the ZK proofs work in this scenario, is really useful. What I'm curious about is what WorldCoin aims to build on top of this, which is to say what systems it puts in place to make this useful. Uh, WorldCoin was first pitched as this UBI coin. Now it's also being understood to be some sort of governance token. There's not. There's nothing yet public about what it will be governing, but one could see a world where more power over the network or power over the, the tools on top of the network are being uh, disseminated and decided via holders of this token. So, you know, with, when it comes to how AI comes into the mix, I, I really don't know. 
But uh, I do see a, a good value proposition just in having this tool to make sure that people really are unique and verified on these systems. So I think that's really interesting that you brought up that, and it makes me think sort of as I've been following what's happening in the U.S. like regulatory landscape with the importance of having, if you're going to launch a token, then you need to have it be governed. um, And there's like a value around what it means to have utility. And so I wonder if the reason that their business model has evolved has to do because they sort of are forced to be able to position themselves in a structure that might give them leeway with what they can experiment with. Um, That's sort of the use case why I feel like perhaps they might have moved away from like UBI to now this utility token where many people can vote. But again, I'm just sort of thinking through what the potential reasons could be. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I, I feel like WorldCoin, they haven't been doing these experiments in the United States it's mostly been outside the United States in terms of you know number of emerging markets with the orb, which I feel like has also led to kind of differing you know, opinions on what does that mean to show up you know someplace with this weird orb and and you know pay people money. Um, I do think in in Spencer mentioned in the the post uh, airdrops as kind of one example of in the crypto industry you know you've had projects that have wanted to distribute tokens to contributors. Um, but it turns out there are all these airdrop farmers who are, you know, running bots and making transactions. And, you know, if you could have a way to filter, distribute to, to real people. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And also just how involved will Sam Altman, you know, be in this, um, you know, and and how his experience and, and kind of understanding of where AI is heading is bringing him to want to participate in, in crypto and advanced cryptography based solutions, I, I think is a, an interesting signal as well. Yeah, I think there's uh, other spaces, like there's other headlines on this, like the Amy case, right? The assistant companion. Um, for for many, many years uh, in financial services specifically, we've seen emergence of investment advisors or robotic investment advisors. With LLM and other AI uh, primitives and fundamentals, we're seeing these things become increasingly more sophisticated, much better data to service. And and to be fair, I mean, the, the best data we have in any financial product to this day is blockchain data because it's it's there, it's public, it's you know, transparent, traceable. So uh this play by um crypto.com and other and other exchanges to kind of add to that very good data set. A an assistant that would then learn your investment style and offer you insights, even though it's not going to perform any trades for you, which I think it's kind of off limits for for these assistants. Uh, but this is also a regulated uh, function in financial services in general. So, is it yet another <laughs> aspect of crypto that we're going to try and shake up TradFi? What you guys think? I mean, what's what's the uh, ultimate repercussion of us being influenced by a bot that is indeed provided centrally by an exchange that makes money off of our trades? Yeah, I'll start on this one. I think it's a uh, it's a big scary unknown, right? And I've actually already seen some of these tools in actions. These companies that they don't build their own large language models, but they utilize ChatGPT and the plugins and the APIs and build something around that and actually give it new powers. There's one 
a small little startup in the Solana ecosystem called MarginFi, which built basically a chat GPT layered assistant that not only can answer questions about the Solana ecosystem specifically, but it also can plug into your wallet and you can say, you can say things like deposit X tokens into Y protocol and it will you know, gin up a transaction that then you'd have to approve, but you're instructing it basically to do the trade for you. And it works. And then it also sometimes doesn't work and it misinterprets what you say. And it it tries to send the wrong token or it does something wrong. And, you know, if it's not careful, it, it can, it, all these models have a tendency to hallucinate, which is to say, you know, confidently put forward the incorrect uh, piece of information. And so when you have your money involved and when you have access to your wallets and have access to your capital to trade, that just adds on to the risks of everything. Because now not only might you be getting the wrong piece of information, but you might be acting on the wrong piece of information and losing money because of it. So it's a very exciting area that has to be uh, looked at very closely and has to, it has to be, they have to move forward very carefully with this because the missteps that can be taken here can have very quick and uh, painful repercussions for people. A hundred percent. So this is an interesting segue to our next section. So we'll take a break right now to hear from our sponsors and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibilities, and Visa is helping everyone take part. Consumers can now enjoy the freedom and flexibility of using their Visa crypto link cards for everyday purchases at millions of Visa-accepting merchant locations around the world. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. Welcome back. In the previous parts, we took a look at some of the biggest AI stories from the past month and what the main takeaways and learnings from those stories uh, were. Now it's time to take a look at whether or not AI in crypto is a good thing and what the future might bring. So let's start right there. So I'm going to do a quick uh, fire round to each of you. Is AI in crypto a good thing? Yes or no, Angie? So I can't say it depends. <laughs> so then I'm going to say yes. You can. You can. You can. <laughs> Done. Yes, uh, it's Dan. a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, Dan. Uh, also, it depends, but I think yes, it's a good thing. Kai, it's inevitable. You know, there's a there's a there happens to be a lot in common between people who like emerging disruptive technologies uh, that could have many impacts in different directions, and people who like crypto tend to be interested in AI. And so, I think the worlds just come together. I like that big questions turn all of us into lawyers. I, I love it. Like lawyers love depends. And we kind of turn into lawyers when that. So so let's let's go uh, let's go in and try and balance that out. It's 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 obvious spectrum, right? Some things are going to be great. Some things are not going to be as great. So Dan was kind of positioning that for trades, it might be awesome to give you intel, but it could be damaging if it let if you let it run your wallet, and and that puts a lot of weight on on you know the models and the the training data, the corpus, as we call it. So Angie, what, what is what is your kind of, it depends, balance on all of this? Yeah, so I really like the point that Dan had made around if the AI confidently gives you an answer and sort of encourages you to take an action, um, which could potentially be detrimental to you. I think that's sort of where I get concerned is that the model can very articulate, like 
creatively and confidently propose an argument to convince you to perform a specific action. And so one of the things that I worry about, at least in like crypto industry, is um, how narratives like really control and emotionally guide the, the decisions that people make, whether it's uh, the, the decisions that they make in governance or their trading behavior. And so that's where I really kind of get concerned. But then the other aspect that I think could be really cool and interesting is the companies, for instance, in crypto that are like mining and creating a data lake of blockchain data and then creating a whole structure and schema so that you're able to really trace and see sort of user behavior and where the money is flowing. I think that could be a really interesting use case where we see AI that could help us with a ton of admin work that we do. Um, and the other example of like verifying if a person is real and they're using this particular exchange without really them giving personal data. What are your thoughts? I'll, I'll let Kai go because I, I, Kai's been experimenting a lot in this space. Yeah, I, I think going all the way back to like what we talked about with the crypto.com you know, chat bot, like crypto is incredibly complex and there's so many different new technologies and each blockchain alone, in a way, it's like its own complex system with its own rules and mechanisms. And it's just really hard for even someone who's working on this full time in the industry to understand how Solana works versus Ethereum versus Layer 2. Uh, and so I feel like one thing that AI does well, generative AI does pretty well, is can be this like learning assistant um, where you could ask it questions, ask it follow-up questions. And it's just faster to be able to find certain types of information in a conversational UI versus you know going to Wikipedia, clicking through links, reading through a full paper. And so I think that there is a big opportunity to create learning tools that are tuned with the right information, as well as, you know what else AI does really well? They It's very good at analogies. Explain things like I'm five. Like, it can actually come up with a, a good explanation of a lot of things in a, a very basic format. And so when I was getting into crypto for the first time, I was lucky that I had a few friends who, you know, we all kind of got into it together and we debate things and we talk about it. And so I think it's really difficult for anyone on their own. And then if you start Googling and start watching YouTube videos, like it would be great if there were, you know, more trusted authorities that, it's not like a archive where you have to read a bunch of you know articles, but it's like a, what question do you have about how Ethereum works? And so if AI leads people to have better foundational understandings of how the technology works and can also query kind of what is happening on the network from a data perspective, people will be more informed and they can make better decisions. But I think that that's, that to me is like the first use case and it's separate from connecting your wallet and, you know, giving you know, an AI tool, the ability to initiate transactions on your behalf. I think we have to get to like just using it as a good learning tool first. Yeah, I um, I was lucky to be at uh, working at IBM a few years ago when they launched Watson. And one of the things that was paramount in that stage was AI is a tool for augmented humanity. That was kind of the slogan of that. And the reason why that was that way is because uh, things cannot be liable. Humans can be liable. That's why we have a whole controversy about self-driving cars and all of that stuff, right? So things can't be liable. People need to be liable. So you can't allow um, a decision to stem from a thing uh, to be performed directly. 
because blockchains are all data, smart contracts are instructions, AI can actually write code, and some of them are really good code, as far as been as I've been uh, uh, reading. There is a ton of benefits for augmented some of the stuff in crypto. Like, yes, you can automate trades, and, and that's great. But how much more can we build if we get really good at actually leveraging AI to build the most interesting things that we haven't thought of yet, or we couldn't build because we weren't as a species capable enough, but now we have this augmented tool that will take us further. So what have you seen, and I'll start with you, Dan, what have you seen in crypto that's been leveraging AI to that extent for us to build better things, better, faster, cheaper? Well, I think you're completely right. And tools like ChatGPT, they're probably going to end up in a similar way to the calculator, right? People have learned not to know how to do math equations, but how to use a calculator to do the math equations. So ChatGPT and tools like that will probably evolve in our usage of them to the point where we turn to them to solve, to complete tasks that we could think about, but we've decided they can think that the AI, not they, the, the AI can think can think about it complete more efficiently. So with the with the crypto developer side, I I'm not in a good position quite yet to understand just how it's being utilized, other than hearing from t- spending time in hacker houses and stuff like that, stories from. Uh, engineers that are already using AI tools to write snippets of code for them. Uh, In the newsroom, though, we are thinking a lot about how do we use AI in the newsroom, if at all, is it, are we going to use it to generate images? We actually did that for a while, then we decided we're going to put the brakes on this because we want to better understand how the copyright and those types of things play into uh, these considerations. Like if, if you're using an AI to generate an image, well, that image is being generated from other images. So who really owns that image? That's a very important thing, an unanswered question that we need to think about. And then also to a lesser extent, with the writing outputs, how can we use it to generate text uh, and also make sure that the text that is being generated is accurate? So it's a really fast evolving situation, especially in the newsroom. Uh, Angie, what's your take on that kind of augmenting thing? Yeah, so I would say I personally use it quite frequently to like augment my frameworks. Um, typically, if I'm writing like a really comprehensive strategy brief, I would just ask, you know, what is this framework rather than having to spend time and precious energy of my own like brain basically sitting down and spending like an hour, an hour and a half writing how I'm going to approach a particular problem. Um, so I really sort of understand and resonate with the analogy that you used around the calculator to help us as a tool to be able to make decisions. One thing that I've would be really excited to see, you know, the conversation for us to discuss a little bit if we have time is this idea of content generation, um, whether it's like through NFTs, I know that that's something that I've seen people use as well for images, um, as well as like content, for instance, like documentation for complicated, you know, every protocol has to write documentation to help people understand. So I've seen like the you know, chat GPT wrappers being used to help people ask questions. One other way that I particularly like using, for instance, like chat GPT is copying smart contract code and just telling me, like, instead of me having to read the full contract, just asking the bot to say, tell me like the three biggest functionalities or like the most important functions that you've seen. 
or just give me again high level like framework or structure um that is personally where you know i see the opportunity right now but i'm curious as our space evolves like what that's really going to mean in practice yeah, I think that that's been one of the the biggest takeaways for me when people ask kind of what 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 does the intersection of AI and crypto mean? Kind of what impact does AI have on crypto? And a lot of the really talented engineers, you know, founders, you know, individual developers in the space, they seem to be gravitating towards and using AI-assisted coding tools. Uh, and they're finding real value in them and and saying that it's accelerating the speed at which they can write smart contracts. And it kind of makes sense that when everything's open source, you know, there's a lot of source material to, to tune and train AI models on. Uh, and then you have to worry less about using these tools when you're writing open source code. If you're writing proprietary code, then you're like, oh, like, you know, am I giving my code, you know, to, to this model? It's going to show up later. Um, and so I think that's the biggest takeaway that like we all feel like crypto and particularly the open source you know components of it move quickly today i think it's going to move much much more quickly when you have this proliferation of ai assisted tools that are writing documentation that are teaching people how to write smart contracts reading it in human language um, and that people are are using ai assisted tools to to, to do the programming um, and so it's like that's going to start with open source crypto developers, you think over time that comes into fintech and then, you know, at some point, you know, that comes into banks and, and you know, every industry. But because crypto people tend to be early adopters, they'll likely be the ones that, you know, benefit from these tools and not to say there aren't risks to that, um, but they can move very quickly. So one of the things that we kind of should kind of flip this around, because we're asking if, uh, AI is good in crypto, but there is an upside that Dan kind of alluded to, which is crypto is good for AI as well, because AI has this kind of scraper thing of all data that's, you know, worldwide available on the internet and ownership on the current internet isn't by default, but it is in Web3, right? Uh, the data that's on the blockchain belongs to someone or is in the property or possession of someone. And this gives us a little bit more control over the data. And we've talked, you know, at length about this here on the show. So in that space, I'm going to start with you because you alluded to this, Dan. What is the counterpart of this? What is, why why crypto is good for AI and, and where do you see that? Well, um, I don't know if, I don't know if crypto itself is good or bad for AI, but I think that there's a lot in crypto that can be good for AI use cases, like, like, like you were saying, querying data under, I think actually Kai was speaking about this too, understanding how data is coming about, what it means, how to just simply access it, right? That's a huge issue in crypto, understanding all these different blockchains and knowing how to read their respective ether scans and knowing where to look for the data. Because all of this is in a highly structured format that that makes it very easy for a computer program to learn very quickly. Uh, and AI will, could be put to use in this regard to run queries and say, like, I want to understand how many users have this asset under these conditions. And, you know, in AI might even be, that might even be like using a Maserati to deliver a package, right? You don't actually need a Maserati to deliver a package, but you're going to get there a lot quicker because of it. So there's a whole lot of 
souped up use cases that you can put AI to use for uh, in crypto the way I see it. Got it. Angie? Um, I'm going to have to think about that. Um, I think it could be interesting in like fraud detection and compliance um, when you're, for instance, when I think about decentralized exchange businesses or just when you're building these like DEXs to understand who the user is and you're trying your best to be as compliant as you can while also maintaining like user preferences around making sure that, you know, you don't necessarily understand who the user is. Um, so I think that potentially, and I bring it back to what I was saying at the beginning of this call around like zero knowledge proofs to be able to have essentially KYC without actually having KYC. Um, for me, I think that could be a really interesting next level of seeing, you know, crypto in the broader world, seeing like financial institutions being able to use this, us sort of entering like the rest of the world in a manner where there's like widespread adoption. I think that could be sort of interesting and compelling for me. Yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to see how all of these cryptographic primitives that have been developed in the industry, whether zero knowledge proofs or multi-party computation, are some of them going to get applied to solve unique problems in AI and and even ones like I think about you know optimistic fraud proofs. You know, we now have these layer twos and these complex mechanisms where you can put something at stake and submit a proof, and someone can catch if if you uh, you know, if you misbehaved. And if you want to be able to open up uh, some of the infrastructure behind training and tuning LLMs and, and AI models beyond just a handful of large companies, could you distribute that, you know, to, to many entities? And then how do you have this concept of like verifiable computation? How do you know that the computation that was said that was done was actually done? Um, so I think that there'll be a lot of these really interesting intersections. And, you know, it's great that, you know, we've got all these advanced tools that are being built and AI might end up being the home, you know, for many of them and they could be more useful than they even are in, in crypto today. Yeah, I think we can really dig deep into this. It's not going to be the last you're going to hear us talk about AI and crypto. So we can kind of wrap up today's discussion. So thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find more about you and your companies, uh, Angie? Um, so I'm not big in social media, shocking for the industry. Um, probably for me would just be, I guess, passively follow me on LinkedIn. <laughs> and maybe once a year, there'll be a post um, for the company, the company website or Twitter. I'm very active there. Awesome. Uh, Danny? Yeah, and you can hear of uh, all these ideas and more on uh, my own podcast through Coindesk. It's called Carpet Consensus. Definitely give that a listen if you want to get into uh, these big news topics as well as the crypto culture side of things. So that's one area you can catch me just as well, uh, checking out Coindesk.com for news and price quotes. Kai? On Twitter at Kai Sheffield and Visa.com slash crypto. I'm Mauricio Magotti on LinkedIn, Xerox Mauricio on Twitter and obviously 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We have lots in the works, and we're so excited to be talking about crypto and blockchain with all of you again. If you can't wait until the next episode, take a look at the many previous episodes and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare, stay weird, 
LFG.